Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Woo, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Oh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. And welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. How's everybody doing this morning? As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. You're joining us for the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We're streaming to you live right now on social media, at BellyUpMDFFShow, and of course, always on the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel. Make sure you check us out after the show on your favorite pod streaming app. We're available to you on iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeart, uh, Spreaker, wherever. Wherever you like to go, we're there for you guys. It's Tuesday morning, so that means we got the primetime recaps, the Sunday night recap, the Monday night recap games. And then we have the waiver wire report because we're looking ahead to week 12. We're looking ahead to Thanksgiving week of football and the 
real nitty gritty when it comes to your playoff races, trying to get those last few spots up for grabs in your leagues. We got some things we got to break down. Starting off with the shootout of the week on Sunday Night Football, the Los Angeles Chargers and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm going to be honest. I didn't know the Pittsburgh Steelers were capable of scoring 37 points. I didn't. I didn't think they were. If you would have told me, if you would have bet me that they would not score 37 points the entire year from the offense, never mind defense, defense turnovers, I wouldn't count that. Offensive 37 points, I would have told you you're crazy because they haven't been able to move the ball like that, no matter who's the starting quarterback, including Ben Roethlisberger. Well, Ben, you know what? He was pretty solid in this game. And this is, it was very weird because this is a game against the Chargers. They've been one of the top five defenses against quarterbacks, against wide receivers. They had everybody back for this game. Mike Davis was back for this game. Uh, Asante Samuel was back for the week before. They still had Chris Harris. Some of the best secondaries in all the NFL. But guess what? Ben Roethlisberger on the road came to play. 273 yards and three passing touchdowns, which allowed Deontay Johnson to perform better than expectations. Seven catches, 101 yards, and a touchdown on 13 targets. The target share for Deontay Johnson, that part, that doesn't matter whether it's Mason Rudolph or Ben Roethlisberger, but Roethlisberger at least does a better job of hitting him in stride, actually giving him an opportunity to do something with the ball after he catches it, which is what he did in this game. Had a couple of scampers, nice scampers in this matchup. The other one of note, though, is Chase Claypool had a nice game in this one. Five receptions, 93 yards on nine targets. He's someone who just because of his volume, generally speaking, he remains in the wide receiver three high floor category. Not, not the boom or bust wide receiver three, not the has a high potential ceiling wide receiver three, because the big play for him is still not there, unfortunately, and it won't be at all this year. But he does have a nice floor to keep him in that range. And who knows? Maybe he can break one here and there because he has the talent to be able to do so. But you can utilize him each week in that role. The guy I've been hearing a lot about that people are, quote-unquote, souring on for some ridiculous reason is Pat Fearmuth. Now, he didn't have a great stat line in this game. Four catches, 11 yards. He does get the touchdown, however. And he gets seven targets. Apparently, that's not good enough for a lot of people out here, though. I've been listening to people all day long or all all day yesterday talk about how they're sounding the alarm on Pat Fearmuth and his streamability talent because Eric Ebron was fully back involved with the offense, which he was. They ran the same amount of routes, played almost the same amount of snaps. That, That part is true. Eric Ebron also walked away with a touchdown, and while he had three receptions to Pratt Fergus four, he had 24 yards. So now everybody's like, oh, Eric Ebron's there to take away routes from Pat Fergus. Everyone's missing the boat. And I talked about this heading into the week, actually. I said, look, I'm not worried about Eric Ebron when it comes to Pat Fergus' top tight end two ability, potentially top 12. For a couple of reasons. One, he has the rapport with Ben Roethlisberger. They ran the same amount of routes. They played almost the same amount of snaps. And yet, Freemuth had seven targets compared to Eric Ebron's three. 
You're really telling me you're that concerned about Eric Ebron running the extra house when you had that example right in front of you and Pat Freermuth more than doubled his targets. Still got a touchdown too, by the way. No, what you're missing the boat on is that the Pittsburgh Steelers are just playing two more two-man, two tight end sets. So they're both out there on the field. Eric Ebron's not the pass-catching tight end. They both are. Yes, Pat Freemuth is better utilized than Ebron is anyway as a blocker. But he's still seeing more targets. He's running the same amount of routes. Eric Ebron's not the receiving tight end over Pat Freemuth. He's the receiving tight end with Pat Freemuth. Why? Because there's not actually a third receiver on the Pittsburgh Steelers of note. James Washington had three targets in this game. That was the that was your third receiver in this matchup. No, the third receiver is the tight end unit. That's the third pass catcher in this team. So therefore, they can play these two tight end sets, and Pat Freemuth can still be unaffected by Eric Ebron being there. Pretty much was in this game, quite honestly. His volume didn't, didn't go down at all with Eric Ebron running more routes. He still got his touchdown that you're looking for when you're streaming a Pat Freemuth anyway. So I'm I'm also on the island by myself if that's if that's what I need to do. I don't care. I'm not worried about Pat Freemuth and his availability. Now look, I never had him as a bona fide top twelve tight end every single week from here on out anyway. But I'm certainly not lowering him now because Ebron ran a few extra routes. Najee Harris got a little bit banged up. At one point during this game, he came back. He was he was good to go. He was able to play, finish it out. Wasn't a gaudy stat line, but five receptions, 20 yards, tacked on 39 rushing yards. Plus, he does get the rushing touchdown. So he was fine for you fantasy-wise. Was he the top three guy that I projected him to be going into the week? No, he wasn't. I guess the Chargers, with the volume I was expecting him to see, who would have thought he wouldn't be? This guy has been consistently getting about 30 touches a game, getting over 100 yards from a scrimmage, getting a touchdown every single week. He gets the touchdown, but he didn't have as many touches overall as he thought he would. Again, part of that getting banged up in during the game. But that does raise the question, if Najee Harris were to get an injury at any point where he misses significant time, I've gotten this question quite a bit. Who is the actual handcuff that you want to own for the Pittsburgh Steelers? Conventional wisdom says Benny Snell. At one point, people were talking about it might be Kalen Balazs. I think from what we saw today, or what we saw, I should say, Sunday night, I think we saw that's going to be a committee. I I don't believe there is a one-for-one handcuff for Najee Harris. I think it would be a split between Benny Snell and Kalen Balazs, which is why neither one of them, you'll find out later on the waiver report. I have a lot of handcuffs on the waiver report because we're at that part of the season when you need to start handcuffing your guys to protect yourselves. Neither one of them are my waiver report. The reason being is I think it would be both of them. I don't think we have a one-for-one handcuff. That's the issue. And both of them are just guys. Benny Snell, Campbell, are not talented running backs. There's not. On the Chargers side of the ball, we got something to talk about over here too. First of all, Austin Eckler doing his best Jonathan Taylor impression in this matchup. That was impressive. Four touchdowns in this game. Hopefully, if you were playing against Jonathan Taylor, you had Austin Eckler. Maybe he got you back in it, depending upon how the rest of your lineup did. 
other than that, though, I mean, he didn't have the yardage. That he, 11 carries, 50 yards, did tack on six receptions for 65 yards, seven targets. But Austin Eckler is just one of those guys who's been a consistent RB1 all season long. You love to see it. And then Justin Herbert was phenomenal in this game. I mean, obviously, you get, you get a game that's 41-37. Clearly, it was fantasy-friendly. Justin Herbert was 382 yards and three passing touchdowns. A nice bounce back after last week. But that wasn't really the big performance. That is a big performance, but that wasn't the big performance. The big performance was that he had 90 rushing yards. That's the only thing about Herbert that, you know, I've never been a big fan of Herbert. I think you can figure him out defensively relatively easily, especially for a guy who's supposed to be a quote-unquote franchise quarterback. But the one thing I will say he does not utilize enough of is his ability to run. He's very mobile. He is very athletic. But he doesn't utilize that aspect of his game, uh, in my opinion, nearly enough. It was nice to see him do it here. Now, let's get into the part where we really got to break some things down for the Chargers moving forward here. The wide receiver group. Now, Keenan Allen was his typical Keenan Allen self, and there's nothing really to break down with him moving forward. He had 13 targets in this game, nine receptions, 112 yards. You expect that stat line out of a Keenan Allen. You know, give or take the touchdown. But Mike Williams, for the seventh week in a row, had about half the amount of targets of a Keenan Allen. Now, in this particular week, he finally had a decent fantasy stat line. Five receptions, 97 yards, a touchdown, of course, the big one being the game-winning 53-yard touchdown that he had at the end of the game. Here's the problem, and this is why I'm going to tell you, I'll, just, I'll, just, I'll lead it off at this point. I'm going to tell you if you're still in leagues where your trade deadline has not passed, sell high immediately on Mike Williams immediately so high on Mike Williams. His targets did not go up. His usage did not go up. Now, what carried on the silver lining, which I gave last week, was that they opened up his route tree to go back to being all over the field. He wasn't just running deep routes anymore. That stayed true in this game, but his usage did not go up. His volume's been about six targets, but no, five to six targets. That's what he had in this matchup. He just happened to get the big play touchdown. Up until that point, until late in the fourth quarter, four catches for 44 yards. It was more of the same for Mike Williams until he made that one big play. Now, can he make that one big play? Yeah, but that's why he's a boom or bust wide receiver three. However, because you can continue to make the argument based on what he did early on in the season, and you can try to make the argument that this game was the turnaround pivoting point that people have been waiting to see out of Mike Williams, can he do? And you use that to sell him high for somebody who actually is a weekly wide receiver too, because that somebody's not Mike Williams. If it was his usage, would have gone up. His usage would be something that would be more stable for us to sink our teeth into. It's not. It's not. So don't, don't sit there. And, if you have Mike Williams, don't sit there and think, oh, I got, I got my wide receiver one back from earlier this season. No, you didn't. Sell him high for a consistent weekly wide receiver, too, who's not so boom or bust, because Mike Williams is still in that category. Take advantage of This is what I wanted to have happened in the Minnesota game. It didn't come to fruition. Happened a week later. That's fine. There still might be time to trade him off. Because I don't like the fact that he's still getting double, he's getting half of Keenan Allen's targets. That was the key. Now, here's the second part of that. It's not that Keenan Allen's targets have gone up. Remember, early on in the season, they're about 12, 13, 11, and 9. They're just about even. 
Keenan's Allen's targets on a per game basis have not gone up since Mike Williams has dropped down and cut in half. So where did the targets go? It wasn't Austin Eckler. He's still been getting his on a pretty consistent basis too. The difference is this. Those extra targets that Mike Williams was getting are now going to the tight ends as a unit. I mean, it's not going to Jared Cook necessarily. It's going to the tight ends as a unit. Donald Parham Jr. is playing more and more and more. Him and Jared Cook both had five targets apiece in this game. And if you look back over the past three weeks, that's been the trend. That's where the Mike Williams targets have gone. It's been to the tight end unit. And that's why he's losing out. That's why he can't be as consistent as he was. Because the usage is flat out not there. So take that as you will. But moving forward, that's what I would keep in mind. And sell them off if you still have the opportunity to do so. Here's what I want to do. I want to take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we're going to recap the Monday night game. And then we'll talk about the waiver wire report at the end of the show. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's fantasy football show. And we'll be back right after this. MD Nation, we want to welcome in a new sponsor of the show called Props Fantasy from PropsFantasy.com. Props Fantasy is a website and app which allows users to import their season-long fantasy teams to challenge other season-long fantasy teams. Their crucial difference is that you can challenge other teams that you are not playing in your league that week or aren't even in your league or not even on the same platform. The idea behind Props Fantasy is to let casual season-long fantasy players use the teams they already have to engage in daily fantasy-type contests for winnings. Users can wager anything from $1 up to $1,000 on a head-to-head challenge. Props Fantasy even harmonizes the scoring. If you're in a PPR league and your opponent is not, Props Fantasy will default to a half-point PPR, or you can manually adjust it. They also handle things like standard lineup versus super flex. Their developers are fantasy football diehards and have thought of everything, including IDP. So if you think your season-long team is not just the best in your league, but the best in all leagues, this is your chance to find out and win money when you sign up for the Props Fantasy app today at PropsFantasy.com. So join in on the fun. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. And welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Streaming to you live on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow. And of course, we're available to you on the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel. Please subscribe to get the chance to do so. Check us out after the show on your favorite pod streaming app. We're available to you on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Spreaker, wherever you like to go. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. I just recapped the Sunday night game for you guys. Now let's get into the Monday night game where the Tampa Bay offense got back on track after their disappointing performance against Washington. They pretty much controlled this game against the Giants. Tom Brady gets back over 300 yards. He has two touchdowns. Yes, he had the pick. The pick was not his fault. It, the ball literally bounced off of Mike Evans's chest, went straight up into the air, into the Giants players. Neither here nor there. Tom Brady back to being QB1 like he should be and will continue to be more consistently than not for the rest of the season. Remember, they only have Antonio Brown back yet. So when that happens and they have a full plethora of weapons because we finally saw Rob Gronkowski come back, this offense will be back to being completely and utterly dangerous. Speaking of Rob Gronkowski... And I was a top 10 tight end. I was like, look, he's back. He's going to be good to go. If you held out for him, you were rewarded. It was a nice performance here. Six catches, 71 yards, eight targets. The only thing he didn't do was score a touchdown, but he looked good. He was healthy. 
He didn't even have to play an overexerting amount. Like he played more than half the snaps, but Cameron Brait, I think uh, Gronk snaps were 48, Cameron Brait snaps were 35. So the other tight ends were mixed in along, and Gronk was still that heavily involved in the passing game. You love to see that with his first week back. So you're back to having a top 10 tight end on your hands. Mike Evans, nice game here. 11 targets, six receptions, 73 yards, a touchdown. Gawin also finds the end zone, has six receptions for 65 yards on six targets. A little bit lower there on the target totem pole, but overall, you're very happy with everybody that you would have played anyway for Tampa Bay from a fantasy standpoint. We do need to talk about the running backs a little bit, just because I don't want people to overreact to this, okay? So Leonard Fournette, 10 carries, 35 yards. If you just look at the box score, you didn't watch this game. You had to go to bed earlier. You didn't have anything involved, whatever the case may be. You're going to see Ronald Jones had eight carries for 33 yards and a touchdown. This, don't worry, this did not turn back into a committee. Because I know you're like, oh, Ronald Jones hasn't been involved at all. That's true. He was a little bit more involved in this game. Part of it was because they controlled this game from the start. They allowed Ronald Jones to get a little bit more involved than what he had been in previous weeks. But look at the snap counts. 47 for Leonard Fournette, 15 for Ronald Jones. It was just, you know, they had he had eight carries and 15 snaps. So when he was in there, they were using him at least half the time. That's where it boiled down to. But this, by no means, if you actually go back and watch this game, by no means at any point was this actually a committee between Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. And what you actually love even furthermore was the fact that Fournette had 31 routes run and six targets compared to Giovanni Bernard's eight routes run and target. And he was in there on key situations too. So the whole Giovanni Bernard experiment as the pass-catching James White of it all back, that does not seem to be coming to fruition. So Leonard Fournette will maintain his low-end RB1 status in my book, in my weekly rankings. I am not changing that at all. There's nothing here to be alarmed about, even though Ronald Jones the one who came away with the touchdown. So just something that I don't want people to overreact to. Now, the Giants side of the ball, they were bad. Daniel Jones was terrible. Shocked, I am not. The other thing I'm not surprised about, Kadarius Tony was the lead targeted wide receiver. I've been saying this all year long. Whoever the slot receiver of the Giants is, that will be the number one target. He had 12 targets in this game, seven receptions, and 40 yards. So you're okay from a PPR standpoint. Everything else is a little bit disappointing. However, once again, Kadarius Tony picks up an injury. Quad contusion. Got knocked out during the game. Never came back in. So now we have to wonder, are you going to miss a week? Sterling Shepard was already out. He was not able to come back after the bye week to be able to play. Now, if he were to be able to come back next week and he assumes a slot receiver, guess who my number one giant receiver is going to be? Because Kenny Galladay, who did play the most snaps, who did run the most routes, he had a whopping two targets for one catch in 12 yards in what should have been a nice match against Tampa Bay. He was in my wide receiver three territory. He was in my top 36. Should have been a nice matchup coming off the bye. You knew everybody was kind of a little bit banged up. He's a few weeks now removed from his injuries, and it didn't matter because Daniel Jones and Jason Garrett are not a good fit for Kenny Galladay, period. Period. So I only care about the slot receiver for the Giants. I don't care about any of the other pass catchers. The other flip side, the running backs. Saquon Barkley, his first game back, he looks pretty good. 
he looked pretty good. They did ease him back. He did not run away with a full plethora of snap counts, at least not the full workload that we've come, you know, come used to seeing Saquon have when he's fully ready to go. He had 36 snaps. Devontae Booker still at 21. 19 routes, Ronda Booker's 12. So it was Booker was mixed in enough. It wasn't quite 50-50, but about, about a third of the time, I would say. That will go up. And then in this situation, he had six targets, six carries, where Booker had four touches, four opportunities altogether. And Barkley's playing time, of course, as long as he stays healthy, will increase, and that'll become a bigger discrepancy as we move forward. So I'm not worried about it. And I, what I would say is that as a Saquon Barkley owner, if you are one, you got to be happy about the six targets. Because, I mean, with the exception of Stoning Shepard, all the weapons were back tonight. And the big thing we had for Barkley was that, look, are you still going to be involved in the passing game if all the weapons are back? Because remember, before he got hurt, he was heavily involved in the passing game, but there was no receivers left. Kenny Galladay was out. Sterling Shepard was in and out of the lineup. Darius Tony was in and out of the lineup. The only guy who actually remained healthy throughout that time was Darius Slayton, and even he still wouldn't be that involved even with nobody left on the field. So I think Barkley kind of answers that a little bit. And of course, his volume will continue to go up. And the Giants in general just didn't have the ball in offense very often and didn't bother to try to run. So I think you came out of this feeling. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun. So winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Well, Saquon probably didn't help help you pull off any kind of Monday Night Miracle or anything. I think he came out of this feeling pretty confident about him trending in the right direction moving forward. There's really nothing else to break down out of this Monday Night game. So what I'm going to do now is I want to get one more quick word in from our sponsor. When we come back on the other side, we've got the waiver wire report for you, and it'll close down to the show. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. This holiday season, I'm giving thanks to our friends at Manscaped. Do I tell my extended family that I have the Performance Package 4.0 from the global leaders and below-the-waist grooming? Not to mention, it includes their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer to tame my bush and score brownie points with the in-laws. Every in-law's dream. Gift your Manscaped or the man in your life who needs it. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY by going to manscaped.com. Think your holiday spread is good? It's time to give thanks to the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0, or as I like to call it, the perfect package for your package. Inside, you'll find our lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear and hair nose trimmer, crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. Think of it as a cornucopia for your balls. That's 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at Manscaped.com. Be thankful this holiday season for the best gift of all from Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. And welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live 
on social media at BillyUpMDFFShow. And of course, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We get the chance. Check us out after the show on your favorite pod streaming app. We're available to you everywhere. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We just recapped the Sunday night and the Monday night games for you guys. Now it's time to put week 11 behind you. That's the beauty of fantasy football. It just no matter what happened the week before, put it behind you. Because all that matters now is the upcoming week. And it's kind of nice because we've got the Thanksgiving games that we got to talk about this week. So we got three Thursday games, which makes the waiver wire report all that more interesting because we're going to have to make decisions early on. We'll get into all that tomorrow night's episode around 930. Chris will be joining the show. We'll talk about our Thanksgiving Day preview, our early slate window of matchups in Week 12. Chaz Filardi is going to make a special guest appearance to talk about some bets that we can make on Thanksgiving Day so we can get fat eating turkey, sit on the couch, off of work, and still be able to make money all at the same time. So we'll be back tomorrow night, of course, on social media and YouTube like we always are. So don't miss that special episode. But let's get to the waiver wire report. Now, if you're new to the show, as always, here's how the waiver report works for this show. I don't have it. I don't have it in any particular order as far as what players I would go after first. I do it by average of percentage owned throughout the major platform. So hopefully, we are encompassing as many people as we possibly can, and then we kind of just go from there. And I'll let you know if I want to spend Fab budget on them, if I want to spend a high priority pick on them, depending upon which kind of waiver wire you actually use. Let's start off with the quarterbacks, for instance. Carson Wentz this week with the Indianapolis Colts is going to be back. He's not playing the Buffalo Bills anymore. He's going to be back to being a nice streaming option this week at 46% owned. Now, here's my rule. For streaming quarterbacks, my rule is that I do not spend fab dollars. I do not waste priority. But I set that up to say this for my next quarterback on the waiver I report. Cam Newton, 41%. I will, it, depending, you know, it depends on who you are, but if you've been streaming quarterbacks all year long, or maybe even if you have Russell Wilson as your main quarterback, I'm going to spend 10 to 15% on a Cam Newton. I would probably use a back-end priority, if that's where I'm at in my league, to make sure I get Cam Newton. Because there's a real argument to be made with the exception of the Week 13 bye, there's a real argument to be made that Cam Newton could be a top 12 quarterback from here until your championship week. Because he's running, because he looks good running, he's a real threat for that to happen. So Cam Newton is actually worth it because he's not a one-week streamer. He's a rest-of-season play. That's the difference there. That's why he's the top quarterback, by the way, that I go after. The other guy who's kind of in a runner-up is Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, he doesn't have the same fantasy upside, obviously, of a Cam Newton. And I would say probably doesn't even have the same consistent fantasy upside of a Carson Wentz. But he's been pretty solid as of late. And it's the juicy schedule that the San Francisco 49ers have. I mean, it's just, it's absolutely insane what this team is looking at down the stretch, especially during your playoff runs. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo right now, first of all, has been playing pretty good football for the past month. But on top of it all, I'm going to pull up the schedule now uh, for, for you guys so we can take a look here. And he ain't the only one. The San Francisco 49ers in general are going to be some good plays here. But coming up, you got Minnesota this week, then Seattle, then Cincinnati, 
Week 15, you got Atlanta. Week 16, you got Tennessee. Week 17, you got Houston. Now, I'm not saying Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be a must-start every week from now into your championship week. But if you've been streaming quarterbacks and you maybe, let's say, you miss out on the Cam Newton sweepstakes, he could be a really nice backup option to have because there's not one matchup in there that that puts any fear into you. And they're all games, for the most part, where the opposing offense is good enough to keep the 49ers having to score and be aggressive. But the teams aren't so good that the 49ers should lose. The 49ers should be above 500 team the rest of the way, which means, and this is why that's important for fantasy football, Trey Lance is not going to get a start this year. Unless the 49ers just lose some of these games that they absolutely should win, Trey Lance is not going to get his opportunity to be the starting quarterback this year. It's not going to happen. It's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo, which is why he's on my radar. And by the way, only 13% owned on average. All right, so we got the quarterbacks out of the way, at least the ones I want you to target going into the season. Let's get into the running backs, where this gets a little more interesting. So let me just kick this thing off before we even get into, you know, who we're attacking here and there. I'm just going to get this off with the handcuffs. Like I said, this, this is handcuff season. We're in week 12. So you guys, week 12, 13, 14, that's all you got left. Three games left in the regular season. We have all seen this year, in particular, how valuable a one-for-one handcuff is when you have a running back getting all the volume. And how hard it's been for RB1s or any running back, really, but the RB1s especially, to stay healthy. You need to protect yourself. So this is what I have for you guys as far as these handcuffs are concerned. Alexander Madison, 36% owned. By the way, I will say this before I go on. I'm not just talking about handcuffs for the people who have these running backs. That that would be the most obvious thing. I'm also talking about guys that are golden lotto tickets where you're sitting in first place. You're up by a few games. You have a playoff. It's quite possible you have a playoff spot already clinched at this point. You can just simply, if you have the roster flexibility, to be able to take some of these guys as lotto picks. And if something happens, now all of a sudden you're super set up for a championship run. So that's why these handcuffed running backs are important are intriguing waiver wire options heading into this week. So again, it's like I said, Alexander Madison, 36% owned on average. He's widely available. Cleo Herbert, 32% owned on average, widely available. Sony Michelle is a must add at 24% owned. Ronald Jones, you just saw this past week. He scored a touchdown. If something were to happen to Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones would be the main ball carrier. Now, yeah, Giovanni Bernard would take over the passing down roles. There's no doubt about that. But in that offense, if you have the lead ball carrier, you probably have an RB2 in your hands. So Ronald Jones, 21% owns the handcuff to have. Carlos Hyde, we know if anything happens to James Robinson, Carlos Hyde will get all the workload. He's only 12% owned on average. And last but not least, and I talked about this guy in yesterday's show quite a bit, Amir Abdullah, 1% owned on average. He, not Chuba Hubbard, is the handcuff to own for Christian McCaffrey. Plain and simple. Christian McKee, since Amir Abdullah has gotten there, he's gotten immersed into that offense quite quickly. In fact, he fits it pretty well, actually. He looks good in it. He looks natural in it. Hubbard cannot be trusted in pass protection. Therefore, Amir Abdullah has already taken over the passing down role when Christian McCaffrey was out before he came back from his injury. What's furthermore is that Abdullah was starting to 
work into and even even out with Hubbard when it came to the carries overall. Now, I do think if something would happen to McCaffrey again, there would be a form of a committee. But I don't think it would be Hubbard leading the way in carries. I think Abdullah would be maybe 40-45 split at least, if not 50-50 in the carry department. Kind of like a Chase Edmonds and James Conner situation. And then he would lead the way in targets, which of course is the most important thing, especially in a Carolina offense. So if you have Christian McCaffrey or you want to pick up a lotto ticket, Amir Abdullah is the guy you go after, not Chuba Hubbard. All right, so now let's talk about the running backs that aren't necessarily handcuffs that you're looking for for spot starts. And to kick things off, it'd be Devonta Freeman. He'd be number one. He's 34% owned on average, so he's pretty widely available out there. A lot of people dropped him when Latavius Murray was coming back because up until this point, Latavius Murray had been the starting running back. But the thing is this, I mean, not that he's looked great or anything, but Devonta Freeman has looked like the best of the old-timer running backs. Tyson Williams is still the best one, but clearly he's still not getting any playing time. He's definitely looked better than Latavius Murray. He definitely looked better than Latavius Murray this past week. Now, I know Murray's probably not 100% healthy, but I don't know how much it matters at this point. And I do believe that the trend that we saw this past week with Freeman will continue where he will be the lead back. As long as you're the lead back in Baltimore, you have the potential for a touchdown any given week. So he's an RB3 spot start at 34% owned. I wouldn't want to spend fad budget on him if you have it, but if you're super desperate this week and you need something, any, somewhere between 5 to 10%, don't break your bank. Don't use up what, left, what you have left in your fab tank on Devonta Freeman. But if you need a spot start, you want to make sure you get him other, other than somebody who maybe only wants to put zero in or whatever the case may be. And obviously, I'm not going to spend a top, you know, probably four, maybe not even a top five priority on him. But if I'm in the back end of my league and I need a running back, I think you can go ahead and, and make an aggressive play to get Devonta Freeman. The other guy that I want, maybe even more so than Freeman, I'm not sure, Ty Johnson. Only 19% owned. Michael Carter is going to be out probably for a couple of weeks. Ty Johnson's who you want to own. Tevin Coleman, even if he's going into the game as the starting running back, quote-unquote, as lead bar, ball carrier, A, we know it's not going to last long because he can't stay healthy, but B, Ty Johnson's the much better pass catcher and is more involved as the pass catcher even when it's just him and Tevin Coleman. And the carries are not going to be so out of whack between the two either. So Ty Johnson is actually the Jets running back you want to own until Michael Carter comes back. Again, Spent about 10% fad budget on him, depending upon how badly I need a running back. Ideally, he's somebody you can kind of just pick up and use as a flex as needed until Carter is able to get back. Those are really the only running backs, though, that I think you could pick up this week as spot starts. So let's move into the wide receivers. My top one, LaVisca Chenault. Talked about this yesterday, too. He's 46% owned on average, so he's close to that 50-50 mark, so check your leagues. It's not just a, it wasn't just a one-time thing. They went into that game with the idea that Laquan Treadwell was going to play more on the outside and Jamal Agnew was going to play a little bit less. Now Agnew gets hurt. He's done for the year. And that's what happened. Treadwell came in, he played the outside. LaVisca Chenault then slid in. He got to play the slot. He got to play that mismatch, that playmaker role that we wanted him to get when DJ Chark went down in the first place. That did go to LaVisca Chenault. So now all of a sudden, his playmaking ability, his his fantasy role is about to increase 
to the point where I think he can actually be a weekly wide receiver three and the most valuable wide receiver on the Jacksonville Jaguars, BTW. Because apparently, it doesn't matter how many times Marvin Jones gets targeted, it's just not going to equal out in the fantasy production. In fact, I don't think you need to have Marvin Jones in your lineup, by the way, or on your team, period. But LaVisca Schultz is a very interesting name to me moving forward. Cedric Wilson. We still got to get the final word on C.D. Lamb. I still think it's going to be really, really tough for him to be able to clear concussion protocol for a Thursday game. But let's let's assume that he does not. It would be Michael Gallup and Cedric Wilson, who's been involved anyway in the offense so far this year when Michael Gallup was out. But we're still dealing with Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb being on the field. In this instance, it's Michael Gallup, Dalton Schultz, and then it'd be Cedric Wilson manning the slot receiver position. And a nice matchup here this week against Washington. So I'm all about Cedric Wilson at, he's only 2% owned right now. Widely available. Widely available. And because I have a group of wide receivers here that I think are about the same value, I don't think you're going to have to spend too many resources to get a guy like that. I don't think he's got a big ceiling this week, but he has a really, really safe floor for a spot start as a wide receiver three. He'll probably make my top 36 most likely. Next, you got Devontae Parker. Now, he's been on the IR. He's eligible to come off. I, I don't I think he's eligible to come off this week. If not this week, he'll be back next week. But Devontae Parker, we've seen him in action so far this season. I do think he's definitely much more valuable than Will Fuller. Because Will Fuller just remember, he hasn't really been able to get involved in the offense. He's only played like two games this year. We have to see what kind of shape he's in. When Parker comes back. We know Tua is going to use him as his jump ball receiver guy on the outside. Something the Dolphins just don't have as an element of offensively right now. And the past couple of times where we've seen Parker and Waddle and Mike Gusecki all healthy and involved in the offense, it was Parker and Waddle. Gusecki's the one getting left out. So Parker is somebody that I think is very interesting to me moving forward. Because remember, the Dolphins, they're doing a little bit better job, especially this past week. They got 23 carries in Miles Gaskin, but largely are a pass-first team who, typically speaking, is in negative game scripts. So there's a real opportunity here for Devontae Parker at 47% owned. And now we have the hot flavor of the week, which is going to be Elijah Moore. Now, this one, we got to talk resource. If you want Elijah Moore, you're going to have to pay for him. And I think you're going to have to pay somewhere between 15 20% for him. You're going to have to use a top waiver priority for him because he just had his big breakout game when he goes over 140 yards and a touchdown. Now, I caution you about going crazy over him because, again, Zach Wilson's going to come back and play at some point this season. And we have to see what that's going to mean for Elijah Moore. I mean, up until this point, Corey Davis had been Zach Wilson's favorite target. I don't know if that suddenly changes upon his return. But assuming he's going to be out for another couple of weeks and the Jets will continue to take their time, it's going to be Joe Flacco. The trend that Elijah Moore has been on as far as playing time goes is definitely sustainable. Definitely makes you feel good about his opportunities. And not to mention the hot streak that he's on anyway, as far as touchdowns in, in back-to-back-to-back weeks. So Elijah Moore, 41% owned. Very, very interesting there. Van Jefferson, that's another good name, 44% owned. Everyone's getting swept up in the OBJ news. You know, OBJ signed, and then Robert Woods went down. There's a very real scenario here that it's not OBJ who winds up taking over the Robert Woods role. There's a very real scenario that Van Jefferson becomes the wide receiver too. 
that Van Jefferson is the second fiddle guy to Cooper Cup playing the Robert Woods role, and OBJ takes over his role as the wide receiver three. That's a very real possibility. And because Van Jefferson doesn't have the sexy name and because OBJ is there, I don't think you have to spend any resources on him. And he could be one of the best pickups you make, not just for this week, but for the rest of the season. And he is a sure spot start guy. This is still a high volume, good offense here with the Rams. They've been a bit of a slump lately. I expect them to snap out of it. You like Van Jefferson, a really nice pickup here at 44% owned. Now we get to the giant wide receivers. We talked about them earlier in the show today. We talked about the Monday night recap. I only care about the slot receiver. So that brings up Kadarius, Tony, Sterling Shepard. Both under 50% owned. Kadarius Tony, 44% owned on average. Sterling Shepard, 47% owned on average. Now, we need to get more clarity on Kadarius Tony as far as the quad contusion injury. Either way, I don't think that would be anything more than a week. But you want to take pieces of these guys. I don't know if I would want to own both of them. I think I want to just take one and wait for their opportunity to be the lead slot receiver. And also wait and see if these boys are both healthy, what's their role is then? Because that's the one thing I will say with the Giants. We still have not seen if Galladay and Shepard and Tony and Slayton and Evan Ingram, if they're all healthy, what exactly is the rotation? What exactly is the playing time at that point? We don't actually know yet. But I do know I want the slot receiver on the Giants because they have a very, very safe wide receiver three floor. And in Shepard, Tony's case, because they do have some quickness to them, have a little bit of upside. Tony probably a little bit more than Shepard as far as that part goes. But Shepard has a higher floor because he's just been with Daniel Jones. There's just more of a rapport there. You're not spending resources on this. This is a purely pickup, stash, wait and see what happens. Wait and see who's healthy. Now we get into the tight ends. I don't have a ton of tight ends this week. A lot of streaming options. But Logan Thomas. So the, the buzz around him right now is that Logan Thomas is expected to be able to come back that he'll be able to practice this week, potentially even play. Whether or not he plays this week, I think is irrelevant as far as why he makes my waiver wire report. He's 47% owned, so he's close to that 50-50 mark, so you're going to have to check. But if he once he's back and healthy, he's the second pass catcher to Washington. They desperately need a second pass catcher. He's going to see seven, the eight, the nine, the ten targets. He's going to be in that range on a really consistent basis on a team that needs that player to emerge. So Logan Thomas is not a guy you're picking up necessarily to stream this week. You may have that opportunity. You may not. You're picking him up so you don't have to continue to stream at tight ends, period, the rest of the way once he's back in the lineup. And for that, I might spend 5% of my fab just to make sure I grab him and get him. Now, the other two, Tyler Conklin, Dan Arnold, they're streaming options, but I have them on there. I think people are going to overlook them. Both are about 40% owned on average because Arnold wasn't targeted because Conklin didn't have a great game here because the wide receivers dominate so much. They're going to get overlooked. But the fact is this, consistently wise, their volume between six and eight targets. You can't ask for more than that out of a mid-level tight end too. Better days are ahead for both of these guys, and I'll take that usage in that streaming tight end territory without having to actually give up any resources for it. I'll just take one or the other, whichever one's available, whichever one clears waivers. But that's going to do it for the waiver report. It's not a big one. It's not a gaudy one. There's a few pieces here and there, but mostly we're trying to get you guys prepared for your playoff runs. And we'll do more of that tomorrow night when you guys tune in 
somewhere between 9 and 9.30, most likely, on the MD's Fantasy Football Show, on social media, at BillyFMDFFShow, on the YouTube channel, subscribe. And, of course, always available to you on our favorite pod streaming app. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. Guys, I'll see you tomorrow night. Everybody take care and get ready for Thanksgiving. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.